0: news play breakdowns power rankings storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else it's all straight shots here fired by straight shooters s and gun this is the objective basketball podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome to the objective basketball podcast uh, no Lauren this week she'll be back uh, she'll be back on Thursday when we talk about you know the NBA a little bit more generally but as I mentioned on Twitter we do have a guest and he is jumping on to talk about the the great Minnesota Timberwolves the number one seed in the Western Conference Minnesota Timberwolves uh, we're joined by Dane Moore who covers the Minnesota Timberwolves host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast Dane how you doing man
1: I'm good. You get a you get asked on more national podcasts when when the, when the team when, is when the, t- <laughs> when the team is good when there the was, Timberwolves uh, are doing well. Yeah, yeah. Not a not a lot the early Anthony Edwards years. We were often forgotten territory, ignore Fair. until otherwise they become relevant. And yeah, man, they're they're relevant. This is yeah like legit a good team. I, I don't think there's been much. Much debate uh, internally, over here locally uh, in Minnesota and and nationally. It, it feels right like this team is getting respect as one one of the better teams yeah. uh, in the league or at least in the Western Conference.
0: I think that expectation was sort of there last season. Uh, at least, you know, from, from coming in, you know, you had this expectation. Okay, they made the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, now this team is ready to kind of get off into the next stage of whatever it's going to be. And injuries derailed that, right? Cat went down for a large portion of the season. Then later when he came back, you had Naz Reed and Jalen McDaniels and Jada McDaniels and all that, you know, injuries just piled up and you were never able to get this momentum going. Now it seems like that momentum is there. Um, And I guess the, the, the calling card for this team so far this season has been their defense. They were number one for the first two or three weeks. And now they've kind of fallen to third. Um, Obviously I mentioned the best record in the West part, but, I guess for people who may not be watching Timberwolves game still, and to be fair, like if you aren't, you should be because they are a lot of fun to watch now. Um, what do you think the Wolves are doing on that end to be this elite defense and sort of, I guess, making that their, their calling card?
1: Yeah, I think there's a technical answer to that. And there's a personality answer to that. And you, you, you mentioned momentum and, and picking up momentum. They're they're gaining momentum in games, particularly against really good teams Haven't beaten the Nuggets, the Celtics, um, the, the Warriors twice, yep. that the momentum is a product of the defense and the defense is a product of Rudy Gobert and personality wise and understanding his, his teammates and that, that comfort was not there last season. And particularly as it connects to Gobert. I think I mean Gobert came into last season a little bit banged up from Eurobasket and all that. But it was weird kind of even as the season went on, how he just kind of physically did not look like Utah Rudy, yeah. which led, led some people to start being like, okay, you know, he's in his 30s now. And you know, some people start like drawing DeAndre Jordan comparisons <laughs> where you're like, it really fell off at 30. Oh, and and I was I was always just skeptical of the of the idea that physically he had really started to take any major steps back and it looked so much to me like comfort and mm. like his blocks are down right so people go oh, he's not jumping as high anymore I'm like I don't know like when you're playing in a drop you kind of have to have confidence in the players behind you or around you or at the point of attack to right. know when to go and kind of sell out for that block and 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 i just think his his comfort and confidence with his teammates is is really on a a different level this season than it than it was a year ago and yeah we can talk about some scheme stuff but i think that that comfort and confidence from rudy in particular is it's what keeps things normal you know yeah. and and then everything else is tweaks right it's the big thing again specific to rudy is they're they're not afraid to let him kind of Roam a little bit more, whether that be more aggressive in coverages playing out on switches out under the perimeter um, but I think they've really unlocked what's going to be their weapon, which is putting cat on the five and having Rudy roam off of non shooters right like that's when people say they match up well with Denver it's not necessarily that they match up with Denver but that's a pretty ideal alignment for this wolves team where it's a really good for Aaron Gordon's a really good player but Rudy can kind of just play off of him and lurk slash double Jokic yeah. when cat's on ball there. And that's the weapon, man. That's the, that's the weapon of this team. And really the only way to hurt that is to have your non-shooter who Rudy's lurking off of start hitting shots. They got, they got smacked pretty good by, by Phoenix on Wednesday. And that's because Josh Kogi goes three for three from three and Drew Eubanks goes four for four or goes one for one. So those two guys who are non-shooters, you know, go four for four. So it kind of breaks the like Rudy being able to lurk thing. Yeah. But generally speaking, right, like that's a weapon. Mm-hmm. That that's a real weapon when it's Rudy Gobert who's lurking off, which credit to Kat too for being able to handle, you know, the primary five Jokic in, in those situations. Uh that's once it comes around playoff time, that's what we're gonna be talking about. We're gonna be like, Oh, this is this is this team's defensive weapon, is right is Rudy all over the place when we've always thought of Rudy just in a drop, right. You know, defending the rim. So um, yeah, that that's where the momentum comes from. And that's kind of the schematic shift that we're seeing.
0: I think there was, well, there's a couple of parts that I kind of want to pull from, from there. Um, I thought, you know, when you mentioned Rudy, the other aspect of this, obviously the shot blocking is going to be a massive part of it. The rim protection, the versatility, but I think closing out possessions is also a huge part of it, right? Defensive rebounding. This team struggled in that department last year. Even before uh, getting Rudy, that was a huge issue. It's like, hey, how are we going to close out these possessions, right? It's been a disaster. Mm -hmm. And I think last year they were like bottom 10 in defensive rebounding.
1: 26th last year and 30th the year before that in defensive Mm -hmm. rebounding.
0: But it's improved, right? Yeah. So it's like middle of the pack, I think it is this year. It's like near Mm -hmm. the top of the league for, I think, defensive rebounding percentage. Like you're closing out possessions much more. And I think that size advantage that you mentioned with Cat and Gobert, it's playing a factor. But I wanted to ask you: Do you think they have more of a rebound by committee approach this season, or is it just you know we're we're kind of we're forcing Rudy to be that guy for us this year?
1: No, I, I think Rudy is doing a better job of like attacking the glass to mm. clean up around the rim. Like he will, really, like you don't. I don't know. Next time we watch a Wolves game, like what Rudy like flies in to to get rebounds because again he's not just in a drop, sitting by the rim, turning around, boxing out. Like he's he's fine in there. He's doing a better job defensive rebounding that way. I think Cat kind of like coming back from the perimeter if he's guarding a stretch four is doing a good job of ending possessions. Nas doing some of that too. But if you ask Chris Finch, which again, over two years, but defensive rebounding has been a disaster. We've asked him about it a lot of times and he always says it's on the guards. It's the long rebounds, right? It's the ones that, that when it lands like 15 feet from the basket, which is over Rudy's head, over Carl's head. Yeah. You know, it is, is Jaden McDaniels gonna come back in there to get that. Mike Conley, Ant. And ant really had I mean, no reason ant shouldn't be a good rebounder. He just started realizing like that's my spot, you know, to to go get those. And it's just I don't know. I think the guards are just more technically on point in caring about defensive rebounding than they were a year ago. Mm-hmm. It was really different. Guards last season um with d'angelo Russell instead of Mike Conley. You had Bryn Forbes and Austin Rivers in the mix, right who are just smaller players than you know. That's being replaced by Shake Milton or something right. who has a seven-one wingspan. Or Jaden's now playing all his minutes on the wing. Um, Nikhil, big, I got it. Yeah, Nikhil, man. Of course, yeah, we got to talk yeah. about Nikhil. Like, of course, yeah. uh He's he he just he has that give a shit factor, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the guards. The guards have that way more this season. So yeah, like Rudy Springer, he's attacking the glass. But the I think the
0: defensive rebounding delta is, right. is a product of the guards and wings. So you mentioned this is something that's really fascinating to me because like you look at Um, you know, some people will look at the Milwaukee Bucks and say, okay, why are they struggling so much on defense? You know, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez. They're playing this conventional drop at times. Yes, they're changing schemes and being a little bit different than usual under Adrian Griffin. But a lot of people are like, hey, what's going on? But it's the tandem between the guards and the bigs that is really important in drop, right? Going over, chasing over these screens. The Houston Rockets, they've been very successful this year on defense because Hey, Fred VanVleet and Dylan Brooks are going after and fighting through all of these screens, and I think you're seeing that this year with the Timberwolves as well. You see Ant fighting through Conley, obviously fighting through Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jaden McDaniels, like you mentioned. Um, That tandem between guard perimeter defense, if you will, and the deep drop or whatever scheme that any team really wants to play is super important for a defense. It's
1: just not relying exclusively on your bigs ten possessions, right? right? Like that's the overly overly simplified answer, and I think this team. Saw seven foot two Rudy Gobert walking the door last season. They're like, All right, rim protection and defensive rebounding taken care of. And it's yeah. like, oh wait, you know, like the low man has to defend the rim sometimes. The weak side guard has to come in to crash. Like it's uh I think it's an, a very good literal example of a year, right? And and having more time together to actually be able to understand each other and understand what you're not good at as a group. Like mm-hmm. I think that's a big reason why this team is just
0: better in general this just season. Just a sample, like just to know what yeah. what you can and can't go through, right? Um Good what was the sample of that last year? Like when was it good right. last year? Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. Um, and, I mean, and what did you get to see last year? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It um, was
1: it, it just wasn't. It was ant, like the 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 best months were when the team looked nothing like it is ever going to look at when they were right. like, "All right, like deal like D hurt, Ants, the point guard, and we're only playing with one big. Yeah. Which was completely different than the identity they went into the season finding. They chose an identity this year, and they're executing on that identity, which was supposed to be the identity um, of, of a season before. So I think that's a credit to Finch, too, for like not giving up. Yeah. And <laughs> and a credit to Tim Connolly for believing in continuity
0: man you, you know it's funny because tim connelly comes from denver and everybody praised denver for the continuity right it's like stick with mm-hmm. your guns stick with what you had and they did that for you know multiple mm-hmm. seasons and turned into a championship i think i think it is underrated especially when you have the talent when you have anthony edwards cat you know all those guys the, the core the foundation of what can be and maybe you know later on we'll get into the financial implications of of keeping that core together but ultimately like Hey, that's a less fun conversation. That is a less fun but it's conversation. A real I know. I know. I know. Um, okay. Look, the defense has been incredible, but the offense has been meh, like middle of the pack ish uh, so far. I think there are some real ways that it can get better. Uh, ultimately, mm-hmm. just guys shooting more. Jaden McDaniels getting into rhythm a little bit more too. Um, what have you seen that maybe feels like, okay, this, this can tangibly get better versus okay this is a flaw like this is not something that's gonna work. Is it still the is it still the wonky space thing with Cat and bear or is it something else that's maybe not getting this team to click offensively?
1: It's the spacing. Yeah. Um it, it and and they were like super intentional about that in training camp and yeah in, Finch mentioned the, it right yeah yeah a bunch. Um it but like the spacing even though they talked about it all through training camp or whatever, it wasn't good the first few games. Mm-hmm And it's like, you know, that we all kind of know the typical cap play now is like the high quad pump and go to the basket. Yeah. Well, Rudy's going to be in the right or left dunker spot. And if he's in the right dunker spot and cap pumps and goes right, like that gets wonky pretty quick. He's driving his man who's on him. It's an isolation. He's not just blowing by the guy. He's needing to navigate that. He was getting all the offensive fouls because he's trying to clear out his guy before he gets to Rudy's guy coming over to help. And there was just like a handful of possessions early on. I mean, Carl started really poorly offensively. He's been awesome in the last five games. But what's also happened in the last five games is they started positioning Rudy a little bit different. They're like dragging that dunker spot thing out as far as possible. That isn't a corner three. They're putting Rudy up in the slot a little bit more like elbow extended right there. Mm-hmm. Just so cat. I mean, cat's a really good driver. He needs a ton of space to be able to do that because he's
0: career big. high drives right now. I believe, right. I think it's like yeah, nine points. Sure. That's a great
1: thing, but it's a big <laughs> part of the game. Like some of those, right. I mean, my biggest thing with, I mean, I think cat should have a step back game. I think he should have a jab and shoot game and right. all that. So the three point volumes up, like he's really worked on the last few years of developing that pump and go, or just taking you off the basket game. And it's been good, right. but it's, it was its best the year before Rudy got here. Well, that's because you didn't have a center who was standing right underneath the basket. So Carl's learning and acclimating to this balance of like, I need to fire threes when Rudy's out there. But I'm also going to play like 18 minutes a night as the five or 15, maybe. Right. And in those minutes, like, yeah, Nas will be in the corner or it's going to be a spread four situation. So he's kind of figuring out how to beat the old version of Cat when he's at the five and the new version of Cat when he's at the four. And that's, that's critical because when cat doesn't have either of those going, then he's bad. Right. And, and you, you get bad cat and you totally lose the ceiling to this team. Like on a micro scale from game to game or big picture, like I, you know, people, particularly the first week, you know, looking like a problem with cat, whatever it starts, the, well, they need to trade him conversation, get picks and a bag of chips. And it's like, if it's a bag of chips, are the players you get this season? If you trade him at the at the deadline, that removes your ceiling for this season. And yeah, maybe like big picture, you're like, well, I don't know this and that. Well, like
0: tangibly, this, season, this is a good team good right now. Season. Yeah, they're yes. a good team right now. It's hard to it's hard to convince yourself to say, hey, we should trade a guy who's by the way been with the franchise for his entire yeah. career. Um, and, and let's trade this guy who is on probably like, okay, the contract stuff, you know, the financial implications again, Mm -hmm. but ultimately. When you're already really good and you've started off the season well, and hey, maybe there's a chance you can be frisky in the playoffs and get to the conference finals, or you know, the in-season tournament. Hey, there's a chance the Timberwolves could win that thing, and that would be huge for this franchise too. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) hey, I know it's it's a great. I'll talk. I want to talk to you about the in-season tournament after too, but I mean, like, it just there's more at stake than just hey, uh, trade him because this is not working out right now. Um, Okay. Wanted to but ask we should, you, also-
1: we should tie that into the financial thing. Cause it's okay. so, like, sure, sure, so, it, so are we going to talk?
0: Let's, let's talk about yeah, it now. We, we should
1: okay. do it. Cause it's cause it's, it's like, it totally cannibalizes your chances of going to the Western conference finals this year. Yeah. If you make a cost cutting move or roster rearrangement move to let cat go. Right. Give away that the, like it's not happening
0: this year. Well, also, you're not going to get a lot right now. Exactly. It,
1: because right? of yeah. how big his, con, his contract is. But he makes $36 million this year, and it jumps to 52 next year. And that's mm-hmm. a $16 million gap right there. And they're already at the second apron line yeah. with that 52, And that's with Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson, unrestricted free agents. And this team, I promise you, does not work without those two guys. Well, I mean,
0: if you look at the numbers, it absolutely does not work without those two
1: guys. Numbers, watch it, whatever. Know those two guys. Like, that's the real thing. Know Kyle Anderson and Mike Conley. Like, critical for for Ant, for Carl, for Rudy, for Finch. They love those two guys. They need them. And so it, like, kind of, well, as this will naturally be a a topic of conversation come the trade deadline is – you know people will will look at the financial figures and talk about cat like there's an argument to be made there too that is like all right you do trade cat for whatever it means you get to keep Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson next right. season you can resign them maybe with that 16 20 million of space that you would have below the second apron line so it's a fair conversation it's just that conversation can only be brought up while acknowledging That if you trade him at the deadline, you all but give up your shot on this being a year or the year. It's it's only going to get harder from a roster construction standpoint going forward because Ant jumps up from 13 this year to 37, 44 Mm -hmm. if he makes All-NBA. Jaden goes up from like 4 million this year to 25 next year. By the way,
0: Ant is probably getting to an All-NBA. And that's a
1: big part of this finance. I mean, he's probably going to make All-NBA if he stays healthy, right? Like. So we probably should be thinking about Ant jumping from 13 to 44 rather than 13 to 37. So it's just going to be an extremely expensive team that in many ways is going to be very difficult to to hold together, even if you have ownerships, green light to pay the luxury tax.
0: So I was you know, going to ask that the, the second that, that, apron, I don't know. That's the that's the part I was going to ask. It's okay, ownership is changing, right? They haven't fully paid out whatever sum it is. There's that's still kind of in proxy whatever is happening on that December, end. December, yeah. Right, but ultimately, like it's inevitably going to change over. Do mm-hmm. you think they are more the, the Walmart CEO guy is going to cough up that more money. You know what I mean? Like, is that possible? Do you think it'll be we a, talk
1: about how much the money is, man? And I this know, is, this is the real second it's apron yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like, and I will just point out by, by saying this golden state and the clippers, yep. make cost cutting moves because of the second apron already. They yep. already did that. And Steve Ballmer is as rich as it gets. That was letting go of Eric Gordon. Right. And Steve Ballmer is as rich as it gets as personal wealth of an owner in the NBA. And then Joe Lacob and the Warriors, I don't know. I mean, his worth, net worth is not the same as Ballmer's, but that's as profitable of a business as as any team there. And those two teams have already made provisions in place to
0: not pay,
1: to not exceed. So what
0: you're prep. saying is it's inevitable, right? Like they're gonna, they're, they're essentially.
1: No, I'm saying that it... I think a lot of teams are not going to pay the second apron tax just because of what the tax bill is. Not even because you lose your mid-level exception or your pick gets magically frozen into the future or what any of that? like, that's its own thing. That's a thing. I actually don't think that's super important in the context of the wolves. Like I'm not sure they need a full mid-level exception next season, but I mean, we're talking about like maybe $130 million in just a tax payment. If you exceed the second apron or or more than that, depending how much you go over that, that's a a check. That's a cash check. You, you can't leverage your other businesses or whatever to, to pay a one season second apron, exceeding luxury tax payment. That's no joke. Like, plus you don't get the disbursement of the other teams that pay the luxury tax and, and get that money back too. So it, if they don't agree to go into the second apron, or exceed the second apron. I don't think that can be considered like ridiculous, bad ownership. And I mean, and I'm not no, saying that to like no, defend no, no. a rod yeah. or Laurie or anything like what we don't even know them yet that right. all that well, um, objective. We're on the objective podcast, right? Yes. No, objectively, yeah, yeah. We are trying
0: to be objective here. Yeah. Absolutely. Objectively. Yeah.
1: That's a huge payment to, yeah. to pay. And I don't think the wolves or a lot of teams will pay this beyond the second apron. Yeah. I, it just doesn't. We'll see. I guess we'll see. This is new. This is all new, and the wolves are in the nexus of it. You mm-hmm. know, and it, it's it's the funny thing where we can't. Oh, the, it's the salary cap They can't. Exceed. Well, you can. You can exceed all of these numbers. You can pay right. the luxury tax if you want to. It just comes out of your owner's pockets. So, and if they want to, they want to win over this fan base once they take over. You pay a fat <laughs> luxury tax payment. You privately fund a new stadium like Minnesota will. We'll praise all them about like you. the
0: gods. Yes. No, yes. absolutely. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough because they've been good. They've been ob- objectively. They've been objectively very good. Um, and there is a chance that they can make some noise this year, whatever that noise yeah. may be. Um, and you have to question, it's like, well, how much are we gonna cough up in order to do that? And also, hey, you have this superstar, face of the league potential type of guy in Anthony Edwards and he might be good enough right now. He's probably going to get better. He's inevitably going to get better, Mm -hmm. but he might be good enough right now to win you a couple of playoff series. And how is that going to look? Okay. Maybe, okay. Maybe we're getting into doom and gloom way too much for a team. Is that, that's at the top of the West? No, it is an
1: objective conversation. It's there's, there's timelines here to this. There's and and you're in, you're at the end of a timeline right Right. now. And, and so things are going to change. From cost and roster, and thus a roster construction standpoint, at some point there's a there's a decision tree to be made here. Yeah. Starting at the deadline, but if no, if you're not trading Carl at the deadline, then in in the summertime, and you have to ask yourself how ready, Ant is to do that. Right. You know. And obviously, we got two really good playoff series from him at age 20 and 21. And he's 22 now. Um. Yeah. It kind of comes down to, do you believe he can be that dude, that dude now he's going right. to be that at some point. Right.
0: But it's about um, now. It's about the short term here. The which roster's is... about now. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. and we can, you can have that's as a whole nother existential conversation of it, whether it was the right idea to go all in and make an all in move for Rudy Gobert when Anthony Edwards was 21. Yeah. Well, but they did what I said. Did. They it, did. it is. It's yeah. done. It's yeah. done. And they're in now and, all the outside markers, economically whatever, suggests like this is a pretty good time to go, and the play has been good enough to go. So like, yeah. go now, and I don't know. This summer it gets it gets funky. I just can't get over the. It's a totally different proposition from another team to trade for Carl Anthony Towns when his matching salary is thirty six versus, versus fifty two
0: versus fifty. You get
1: the you get the super max no matter what is tacked on there. You got to have the matching salary of 36 versus 52. Like you can maybe fill up 36 of expiring coming back. If yeah, you do it 50, at the deadline, that's tough. You know, I don't think you're getting, I mean, it will be the off season at that point. So expirings will have expired. Yeah. And now you're taking back 52 just to match at, at that point. Like,
0: yeah, it's a lot of players. That's a we lot just saw of money. It. We just
1: went through that with Gobert. They yeah. had to trade five players. To match Gobert's $40 million salary, it's going to be the same thing if you want to invert it and go the other way.
0: So if we're talking about Ant, uh, and we kind of just mentioned him here, uh, just in general, I think, you know, you mentioned the injuries last season. I think there was like a tangible, you know, uh, if you will, I think the good thing about the injuries, even though there's never good things about the injuries, is that like it forced him to just try different things, experiment in a bunch of different ways, be the lead ball handler. Like you mentioned, like just, Hey, you're our point guard now for the next couple of months. Let's see how it works. And that like that forced him into different situations, forced him to, you know, kind of grow, growing pains happened last year for Anthony Edwards. But yeah, Navigating
1: think, two on the ball, getting doubled exactly. on a high pick and roll was the biggest thing he grew in there. Absolutely. Year. How
0: do you think that's looked this year?
1: Um, I'm loving his, when he gets to the middle of the floor, through coverage and find skip passes to the corner. Like mm-hmm. he had a great one in the second golden state game. Mike Conley hits it there. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, Ant, Ant had that coming out of Georgia. Like you, you saw that on his tape there where he could get to the nail and he could pass with his right hand or his left hand to the corners. Like he was a passer, but or he was a score, but he had passing ability coming in. He's, he's fine tuning that in the sense that he's now picking up of like all right, do I have two men, two two guys on the ball? Are they up to touch? Is the low man rotating? Like he didn't get any of that
0: right in yeah. the
1: first two years of his career. He gets more of that now. He do, He's not. It's still not like it, it, it's a long ways from Luca, right? Mm-hmm. Who's the best at that? But it's it's improving, and that ultimately is opening up him to be a real weapon in in the middle of the floor. The push pull is all right, he's in the middle of four. If he doesn't pass that, that's a ton of mid-range jump shots. And he's taken a ton of mid-range jump shots and he's made A ton made, of contested
0: like, looks too because there's like a lot of help at the nail being sent at him. Mm-hmm. And like if he's driving the ball, there's there's just a crowd. And he still crowd, shoots through. Right? Yeah, he, right. he
1: shoots through it all the time. And, and again, he's shooting pretty well. He's like high 40s, I think, from the mid-range thus far this year. But in his first three years of his career, he shot better from three-point range like 37% than he did for mid-range so right. 35, which is bad. Like he's not been an effective mid-range shooter in the aggregate in his career. So I think that's what they're kind of navigating right now. I mean, we asked Finch about it a lot and he's like, oh, I like him when they go in and they are like, it's not like he should be removing some of those. Some of those are kill shots. I mean, he ended Boston. If you watch that game with being able to get into the middle, fo- middle of the floor and take tough contested mid-range shots. Like, he can kill with that, but what's the balance, right? Like mm-hmm. how many is too many Um, who are like, if I'm going to the middle of the floor and it's Mike Conley in the left corner and Jane McDaniels in the right corner, those are pretty good corner shots. If it's Kyle Anderson and shake Milton, like, all right, maybe this is a time to, to take the mid range shot, but that's calculation on the fly, different defenses getting thrown at him. He's learning there. I don't know. Again, if Luca's an a plus, Uh, And it's like a B minus maybe in that right now, which suggests more ceiling. That's kind of what I'm going to be tracking over the course of the year though. Like, does that B minus get up to an A minus by the end of this year or three years from now? That's, that's going to be a
0: real telling thing. There's moments. I remember from the Celtics game where like real time processing is a thing for him because first, second quarter. Okay. Some of those reads, he's seeing them, but he's not making them. But then third, fourth quarter. Okay. Those same reads are there. He's making that read now over time. I need to take over. I'm taking those shots. The attention is now on the other guys because Conley's involved because, you know, J Mac is involved. He was hitting shots that game. Like there's something there to the real time processing ability in game from quarter to quarter to figure out where those reads are coming from. I think that's an important part of becoming a lead ball handler in the game. Like people are talking about Cade Cunningham right now. It's like, yeah. How is he going to look and what he ends up being, whatever. That's a different conversation. No, it's but- not a different conversation. It's, okay. Kate is on
1: a bad team Very in the third year team. of his career. And so they're kind of like trial by fire, learn the Luca way. Yeah. You know, and the only time they really went into that was last year when Kat was down. Because and by the way, he didn't look team. that bad.
0: He did not look like yeah. there were moments. There were definitely moments where like he was shooting way over mm-hmm. what he was expecting. But like there, it, there was. I thought there was tangible growth there for last season.
1: <laughs> it's just an interesting question for all these types of players, right? Who like have the skill set to become the heliocentric sort of Luca Harden type player? Yeah, do like that's a high bar. And you go, Ant, you have maybe the capability to do that. Cade, maybe you like have the skill set. Are we going to lean all the way into that, though, and make you an offense in and of themselves? The answer here in Minnesota has been no, mm-hmm. except for that month in January where they were forced into it last year for the most part. Right. And, and I think that makes some sense with the roster construction. You do have Carl Anthony Towns. That's also like, Finch doesn't want to play like that. That's just like not his preferred style of basketball to play. So he's kind of like rebelled against that as by the much way to be business. fair like
0: team yeah. teams that don't play that style tend to do better in the playoffs like the True. helio ball some time, actually most of the times other than yeah. when you're lebron james doesn't really work out like no
1: the he, best version is when you can jason tatum it right and you can right. situationally go to it and then you have other options and ways in which to get going to which the wolves have mm-hmm. like the wolves have a, a cat option there they can run an empty corner pick and roll with rudy and mike like it you know Jaden's a, a weapon they got Nas Reed scoring off the bench like yeah they don't they don't need Ant to have Luca's usage in that type of way though it is interesting Ant's like I looked it up last week he was like fourth in the league in usage rate so he's still kind of getting the ball as much as the guys you obsess about getting the ball to like Luca. Uh, Though maybe finding it a little bit more organically, which I think that does that make sense? Like that, yeah, I think that's what Finch's yeah. goal is yeah. to get there.
0: It's it's in the process of the offense versus you are the offense, right? Exactly. I'm I'm a system player versus I'm a system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, it's that whole conversation. And you mentioned the bench, which I think you know they have one of the best plus minuses among all benches this season so far. I think some yeah. of the fluidity that's kind of how do you feel do you you think that's lies okay i just i think there's like a level of fluidity with the lineups that you can throw out there that helps Mm -hmm. this team right you mentioned the the cat there's
1: some good bench stuff like yeah cats sliding to the five and he's playing against backup fives like that's that's great i guess i'm more like thinking uh, about the royal bench and like Mm -hmm. there's bad there's bad times too. They're not getting much out of shake. Milton Nas Reed was doing some stuff at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. Now he's cooled it, off a little. Yeah.
1: It's just like, it feels like the bench rotation is about finding ways to empower the starting lineup to like extend out cat being going to the five at sometimes or making sure Mike and Rudy are in and out
0: together at all Kyle times. Too, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, does that mean like they're,
0: So it's more like like you have
1: focused on a bench identity,
0: right? I feel feel like what you're saying is they might have seven starters versus having an Mm -hmm. actual bench in the sense that like, okay, Kyle Anderson is going to play some closing minutes, right? Kyle Anderson might close in some lineups. Uh, Same thing could apply to a guy like Naz Reed, who depending Mm -hmm. on how the shots falling and whatnot could close in some games. Mm -hmm. You might have seven starters versus five starters and eight bench players or sorry, whatever amount of bench players. And that changes the equation for you a little bit. But I do like the fluidity in terms of hey, we're gonna go to cat at the five now. Naz is at yeah. the four. Kyle is our playmaker, lead ball handler, whatever off the bench. You have that perimeter defender in Nikhil. I, mm-hmm. I think Conley can do, be that for you too. By the mm-hmm. way, just as a side, I'm a Canadian, so how's Nikhil doing? Like I, I'm big uh, yeah. on the guy. I'm big on the guy. I, I've I've uh, I've put Dude, a lot just, of stock. So he's
1: grown up so much, man. Hell yeah, he's just like. And I mean, obviously, I wasn't covering him before, but the dude's just like locked in, mature. Um super like about his business as he I mean he that really started at the very end of last season when yeah. McDaniels broke his hand, carried over to Team Canada in the summertime. I mean, like, yeah. right,
0: you just watching him this summer. He's really bought into what he is now, like as a player. And right? That's
1: so big. It's like, man, mm-hmm. teach that to like 40 other guys in the league right now and make them millions of dollars. Right. You know, yeah. like yeah. he he's he gets it, right? And and it's been it's been valuable and it's been more importantly consistent for, for this team. Um, again, I would said it before, but Finch would always talk about last season, like this team situationally lacks a give a shit factor. And Nikhil is like the embodiment of mm-hmm. a give a shit factor. And, and I, th- I mean the, the last game against new Orleans on Saturday, he just has these, the spurt sometimes where At it's that big couple, three yeah the big three in the possession before that he mm-hmm. picked off a pass and went down and had a dunk like yeah um I, I he almost I'm, missed that dunk too which was he funny. did I know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he almost got hugged there uh I, I'm interested in what he can unlock for Jaden McDaniels mm. can he allow Jaden to play off ball more Jaden gets the for like three years now has gotten whoever's the best perimeter scorer on the team I'm going yeah. him
0: yeah go after yeah
1: And along the line, like connected to that is Jaden's had serious foul trouble issues throughout his entire career. And I wonder if you can situationally give Nikhil that Steph Curry job and then Jaden can play off ball a little bit more and be, you know, weak side
0: help limp rim protector type. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it in spurts like it's and. You know, like the the weak side. I don't know if there's numbers to back this up. I haven't checked it out, but like there are some legit film that can pop in terms oh, yeah. of him being a weak side. He's just barely protected. there. Wrong, it, it's wrong.
1: like yeah, it's like a switch. Mm-hmm. Ball goes to the second side. He happens to be on the guy in the corner. He's yeah. a rim side, but they don't they don't position him there. He right. starts at the point of attack like every possession. And I think Nikhil and Mike Conley, like you said, has a little bit of this too. When Jaden's in foul trouble, can you just be like, "All right, we need a little bit more Nikhil for point of attack defense." Like, right. I think that would do a world of difference for Jaden in being able to play more minutes throughout the game. But also, I mean, it just disrupts the rotations all the time with how often Jaden is getting in foul trouble, and Cat's going to get in foul trouble some too. I I think that's like a low key, really valuable thing that Nikhil provides for this team is. Point of attack defense, like maybe not all the way up to guarding like a Jason Tatum, but like like an innings
0: eater in terms of point of attack defense, right? Just yeah, eat those
1: innings, save the fouls for Jaden McDaniels, yeah, get Jaden a defensive or all defensive team. Like, I think that that, that's how it goes. I mean, that's
0: that it's crazy that he hasn't been, anyways. That's that's all I mean, it's been because
1: of the foul stuff. I don't think Jaden should have made all defensive team last year. I know. Like I mean, he's maybe like the twelfth best defender or something, and I knock him for the deep. He's second in the league in fouls last season. Mm-hmm. And he played like seventy games. You know, it's that's the that's the one knock on on Jaden right now. Technically, he's elite. The length, the shot contest, like, it looks like a nightmare right. to you know to be guarded by Jaden McDaniels. But that nightmare comes with some baggage of of foul trouble. And yeah, I, I just think McKeel could help that a lot.
0: Okay, so I'll ask you this because I'm kind of curious where you're at with it. The JMac, anytime there's like a three and D guy like that, right? It's like, oh mm-hmm. man, what if he's what if he's that next guy? What if he pops up? And like, by the way, mm-hmm. some of these uh, future implication concerns, you know, he just signed his extension as well. Like, he's part of this. It could be alleviated from him becoming whatever people expect him to be. Maybe as a score, maybe as a secondary or tertiary mm-hmm. guy for them. Yeah. Where do you sit on that? And his development, maybe offensively, because we know what he can be defensively and like there can be cleanups there. But offensively, I think what is where you're like, hmm, maybe potentially is is he going to pop away from being a three and D guy? You know,
1: well, it, it's actually his contract extension he signed last month. I, I think is such an interesting barometer of answering this exact question is um, I always went off of the Mikhail Bridges number. For Jaden in terms of the extension, which is like 16, 17% of the cap. Um, obviously Bridges signed it a couple years ago, so it's a lesser number. But like I was I was like, okay, well, I think he's gonna at least get the bridges number Mm -hmm. because Bridges signed that, showed he like I feel like Bridges was signed at that rate to be what he was coming out of the finals. And then he comes and he expands his game a little bit in Phoenix and then expands it even more in Brooklyn. And you go, what? 20 million a year for Mikael <laughs> bridges. Like, right. That's something if you put him on the market, people are going to trade multiple first round picks for. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm going off of that in my head as bridges being like the,
0: the, the blueprint charmander to charmeleon right. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: of, of Jade McDaniels. And I think it's, I'm not saying he gets all the way to Bridges for sure, but I think it seems like a reasonable expectation that it will progress yeah. in, in that direction and probably be in large part due to what opportunities become made available for him. Tons of opportunity became made available for Mikhail Bridges when he changed teams. Yeah. Um, you know, what does that look like in the next three years for the wolves Our cap Rudy and Nas all on the team at that mm-hmm. point. I doubt it. Um, you know, that ups maybe. Jaden gets this little piece of the pie. That's yeah. all that's available yeah. right now.
0: Oh, man, if you watch games, he is like, he's last in the pecking order when it comes Easy. to the offensive usage. Like, it's not even close.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was encouraged. Ant and Cat were both in foul trouble throughout the night against uh, New Orleans on Saturday. And Jaden just like intuitively kind of picked that up. Was like, all right, like this means more to me, and he did it. Um, and and I so I think that's encouraging. Like, I think he'll jump on the opportunity, you know, knock on wood, cat gets hurt, ant gets hurt, hurt, something like that. I think he can step into more. We just like, I can't, I can't show you much film or anything of what it looks like when Jaden is like to be number one or number two. Like, hey,
0: this is yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: We're we're just kind of like betting that he does the bridges thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean. But the thing is is the rate that he's signed at right now is a bargain because he has some of that upside. I think he's signed at a rate that is what he already is, right you know what you know what I mean and and so for them to lock him in at that number, actually at a percentage of the cap, slightly less than bridge's number, like that's that's good, you know yeah. that's good like let's see. Let's see where this where this can go. Um, can he develop a little bit more Devin Vassell to his game or Bridges mm-hmm. to his game? To be determined once the opportunity comes. But I don't know if anybody's looking at that contract and rolling their eyes at five years, one hundred thirty one million. I'm like, I don't know. Just wait.
0: Like, no, no. I mean, with with the cap going up, it's not even it's not yeah. even a conversation.
1: I I think they were pumped about that number internally they, as they should be. As they and should I be. think the Vassell number actually kind of screwed him a little bit like oh yeah because they would have got they he probably
0: got, walked in with that number he was I like mean, hey. <laughs> it, well
1: what was the final guaranteed number on Vassell? 5 what did yeah. Jaden get 5 that's no coincidence right, right. there yeah, yeah so it might have been even it might have been even less than that had uh the Vassell thing not happened but still whatever I, I I think that number's gonna be gonna be just fine and it's just normal progression of once there's more usage available, can you take it and do something with the Jaden? And can you mm-hmm. follow a little bit less? Yeah. Then yeah. he's going to be a $30 million player making in the low to mid 20s.
0: It's funny. Uh, so I, I cover the Raptors and like one of those guys that always gets discussed is like, hey, three D guy, maybe potentially OG Ananobi. Right. Yeah. And like, yep. I don't think he has gotten to Bridges level. I don't think he will, to be honest with you, but he sort mm-hmm. of landed somewhere in between. And Maybe that's what the J Mac thing ends up happening. It's like he doesn't have to get to Bridges level, but there's a way with, you know, kind of like a conservative amount of usage and dribbles. Like OG can get to 20 a night on any given night just because he's become an elite shooter and like can be a nice dump off guy, whatever, right? Like there's a way for guys who don't necessarily get the usage. To still be really effective offensive players, and there's there's a world where that happens for J Mac eventually. Can I
1: ask you a question? Yeah. What do you think OG is free agent this summer? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think he'll get?
0: Whatever his max is, I think it'd be like forty four, something like that. So I think that if that's See, the number, I mean, I'm thinking, yeah.
1: So okay, then if OG and an OB isn't an a, yeah, what is Jaden McDaniels? Like right in now. terms
0: of in terms of like the three and D archetype like, i don't okay, think that well, far what away.
1: percentage of OG and Anobi is Jaden McDaniels right now
0: 80 yeah probably yeah well i mean look defensively i don't think they're either of them are that far away from each other it's the offense where you're like okay you're yeah i yeah. would probably have OG over J-Mac um, yeah i don't
1: i don't totally believe in Jaden's uh three-point shot okay so fair. I, I think that and like OG uh, you feel he's pretty become good a 40
0: percent about... yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah And and to be fair Jaden shot thirty nine point three percent or something last year, so I, that might right. be just me looking at big gangly mechanics that aren't always consistent. Fair, but I I don't know. Like, I guess that's my way of saying like I don't think Jaden's next step looks like even if he plays like OG Ananomi right now. I think that's I don't fair think to say. his next yeah. step is that. I think it's more of the Bridges mold, the right. cell mode of three and D guy, but that the D part from Jaden. I mean, I think it'll be Jaden might be better than Bridges here yeah. pretty soon defensively.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it, Bridges' best season defensively was that bubble year. I think, it, mm-hmm. like, you're comparing. It's close, regardless, and like the money, it's not even going to be a problem. Okay. Yeah. Before you head out, um, wanted to ask you this: T- in season tournament, the Timberwolves may be on track to potentially, maybe, potentially win it. What mm-hmm. would that mean for a Timberwolves fan? To win the in season tournament. I had a debate with someone the other day who was like, This tournament is stupid, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, tell that to a potential Minnesota Timberwolves fan who could potentially win something, an in season tournament, even if it is just an in season tournament. What would that mean? Because that was my debate point, really, with someone that I was arguing
1: with. I don't think you're gonna love my answer.
0: (laughs) Damn it. Okay. All All
1: right they they got clowns so much for when aunt and Pat Bev got up on the oh, table the, after yeah. they, whether the play it, which was, which was awesome. Minnesota fans. Yeah. That. And so like, yeah. and, and they would, I think they would love some of that again, but I really do. Honestly, man, I think this group of players like has their eyes set on like a pretty high goal. this yeah. Season. Yeah. And all okay, right, cool. Like you win. Like i I'm gonna talk to some of them about it. Like, they're taking every game seriously. I think they're like treating themselves like a team that's trying to win fifty, fifty-five games or whatever. Yeah. And to that end, like you got to take all the in- in-season tournament games, you know, really f- treat them as very valuable. And and I think like I think what it could be is like something that makes this fan base start to really believe that this team could go somewhere when it actually matters, matters, matters. Right. Uh, this offseason, I think it could be a momentum builder uh but wolves fans have they want to they just want to be in the playoffs they want to win a playoff series i mean it's been since 2000 it's been 20 years yeah you know and and i think that's the next step that's the stated goal by tim conley entering the season and and now maybe you win the in-season tournament you just start the first month and a half of the season as having one of if not the best record in the nba like okay let let's let's go from there i th- my only real insight thought on the in-season tournament is if i'm being totally honest i haven't put didn't put a whole ton of thought or care into it before it began but i was in uh the locker room after the golden state game which was the wolves second in-season tournament game they were two and oh yep and it looked like you know like we're that gonna was be in the- this thing.
0: Was that the game? Was that the chokehold yeah. game? Yeah. It's the okay. chokehold game. So it's yeah.
1: afterwards we're in there. It's kind of like chaos in the locker room. We didn't room even talk to...
0: about that. I just realized. Sorry. It doesn't i talked matter. about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I bet, listen you know. to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but I thought this was cool. I thought this was cool. I like walk in there and everyone's trying to like lurk around Rudy and Jaden to talk to them afterwards. And I was just standing over by Shake Milton and Troy Brown. And they shake had the standings and the point differentials and stuff pulled up on his phone yeah. and they were going through it and looking at like, you know, if we went, we play Sacramento in a week, if we beat them, like we're in. Right. Um, and that's the first thing that I, that really stood out to me that I was like, Oh, like players are somewhat invested, invested in yeah. this. And and it makes sense too. If you think, and I remember I left the media room or I left the locker room, went to the media room and I'm like, how much money has shake Milton made in his career? <laughs> and and he has been in the league for five years, so six years, made $7 million total. Right. 500 K. That's a lot for shake. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. You know? And so I, I underestimated the value of the cash reward. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest, I was wrong about the end season tournament. Yeah. You know, Carl or Ant who are going to have signed hundreds of millions of dollars Worth of contracts or Rudy, right. you know, five hundred K, whatever. That's like what Draymond got suspended. That's like the hit right. he took for getting suspended. For so those guys, not that big of a deal. But you got in just the Wolves rotation, you got Shake Milton, who's made seven million dollars in his career in five years. Nas Reid's made six million in four years. Um, I think Nikhil, Nikhil's made like right? twelve. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's a that that matters from that standpoint. And even if you are like Dame Lillard, I saw had a cool kind of clip on this that came out of the Bucks locker room uh, last week or something where, where he was like, yeah, I'm kind of invested in this for the end of the bench. I mean, the two way guys get 500 K right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, that's no joke. And if you're in a locker room where you care about the young guys on the team, you care about the group up and down, like, yeah, maybe you go win that to get your guy 500k, right? Get and Leonard I, I Miller
0: think that... 500k is the yeah, is, sure. yeah, hell yeah, absolutely, <laughs> exactly. absolutely. Luca
1: Garza, like yeah, yeah, he needs, yeah, you know, he could get 500. He missed out on nils at Iowa, like exactly. He, 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 yeah, <laughs> he
0: could use he could use the extra 500. <laughs> exactly. um, so okay, cool. Dane, yeah, plug away whatever you got going on, whatever you want to kind of mention before we head out of here.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, so I, I, I guess people don't know me. Like my my background is I, I used to cover the team as a writer. Um, got laid off during COVID. Started my own thing. Um, and yeah, I'm completely independent, and I don't write anymore. I just do uh, I do podcasts uh, pretty much every day. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for Wolves content this season, I have the beat writers and the columnists in the area, uh, and and one of my my co co hosts come on with me throughout the week so you got four or five episodes a week of wolves specific content if you want to check that out obviously wherever you get podcasts or we have a youtube channel um as well there to just kind of check out how we do it in minnesota it's not just me it's kind of like the idea is bringing in all the other reporters who maybe don't ever talk on podcasts out of a radio hit here and there to get to know the people who are uh myself included who are in the locker room around this team talking to executives. So we have an awesome, we have an awesome wolves beat, uh, in terms of the reporters we have. And one of my favorite things about the show is giving a voice, like a literal voice to, to those people to talk to. I think, I think we do pretty good stuff. So yeah, check that out. Dane Moore MBA podcast. Hell yeah. Uh,
0: love the, love it. Uh, and yes, I can vouch 110 times about Mm -hmm. it. Keep me informed on Timberwolves stuff. All day, every day, yeah. <laughs> uh, and much. I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited to yeah, see man. what happens with the rest of the season for this team. It's gonna be a uh, journey. Ve- yeah, it's gonna be a journey. It's early, b- dude. By the early. way, it is early. It is very early. I know we're talking <laughs> about you know contending and who they should trade and yeah, what might happen, but. Oh, I'm not,
1: I got like a deep anxiety <laughs> that I've been like way over pumping this. Hey, and you never got, know. You know.
0: Hey, you never know. Look, the Pelicans you read what's were... in front of
1: you, right? Like, yeah. this is what's in front of us right now. Um, Absolutely. We know what happened last season. I'm just telling you, like legitimately, you know, this from being around team, like you can, you can tell when a vibe shifts within, sure. within Absolutely. a group. And um, I feel that in, in this team. In, uh, this is my seventh season or whatever, covering them. Covering them. Um, it's different. It's it's different. Uh, I don't know. Can they sustain it? To be determined. But right. I, I don't know how you can't believe in it as much now as you did any any other time in Wolves history. It's yeah. pretty bleak out there. Hey, so, listen.
0: Uh, the, hey, that's why. In-season tournament champions and then a playoff yeah. win. Let's do it. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. A, pl- a playoff first round win. Uh, home court advantage too because Minnesota has great crowds. Um, okay, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Go out and check out the Game More NBA Podcast as well for all things Timberwolves related. And we will see you guys for the next episode. Take care. Follow hosts at Farrahini on all socials and at Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.